Hello, and welcome to the BPL Podcast. My name is Zach Parrish. I'm the Programming Librarian at the Bexley Public Library and the host of this episode. In today's episode, we're joined by author Grace Ellis and Sabrina Paeta from the PEN America organization to discuss Banned Books Week and censorship in America. Grace Ellis is a New York Times bestselling Glad Media award-winning author and scriptwriter. Born and raised in Ohio, she studied theater and journalism at The Ohio State University. Her graphic novels include The Much-Lauded Lumberjanes, The Long-Running Moonstruck, and several pieces for DC Comics. Her latest book, Flung Out of Space, inspired by the indecent adventures of Patricia Highsmith, was a New York Times notable book of 2022 and won the 2023 Eisner Award for Best Reality-Based Work. In 2022, Grace was given an Ohio Individual Excellence Award in Playwriting for Holding It Together, a site-specific play for high schools. Her next DC book, Diana and the Hero's Journey, is out this fall. In 2023, Grace wrote the play Explicit Content for Teens about the fallout of a play's censorship in a public high school. Grace will be at the Bexley Public Library on Wednesday, October 4th at 7 o'clock p.m. for a conversation on censorship to celebrate Banned Books Week. You can attend in person at the library or live stream the program at bexleylibrary.org forward slash TV or on the Bexley Public Library YouTube channel. Sabrina Baeta is a program consultant with Freedom to Read at PEN America. She engages in research and awareness building around censorship attacks on public K-12 education, especially as it relates to literature accessibility in libraries and classrooms. Sabrina graduated from the University of Florida with a Bachelor of Arts in English and a Bachelor of Music and Voice. She earned her master's from the University of Central Florida in nonprofit management. She is a poet, essayist, and writer, and prior to PEN America, worked in educational publishing and in a variety of performing arts and education nonprofits. Banned Books Week is an annual celebration of the freedom to read. The theme for Banned Books Week 2023 is Let Freedom Read, and it's being celebrated from October 1st through the 7th. A PEN America report for the first half of the 2022-2023 school year tracked 1,477 instances of individual book bans that have affected 874 unique titles. Book bans disproportionately target authors of color, LGBTQ authors, and other marginalized groups. Books about racism, sexuality, gender, and history have been removed from library shelves across America. In today's episode, Grace Ellis and Sabrina Baeta talk about the current state of book banning in America, the impact that book bans have on creators, libraries, and young readers, and what we can do to stand up against book bans and protect the freedom to write, read, and access information. We begin our conversation with learning about the work that PEN America does in supporting writers and standing up to censorship. Grace and Sabrina, thank you for joining us on the BPL podcast. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, for both of us. Sorry. <laughs> thank you for having me. And then also Sabrina. <laughs> absolutely. It's wonderful to have you both. Um, Sabrina, can you begin by telling us about the PEN America organization and the Freedom to Read program? Yeah, absolutely. So PEN America... Um, we always say we stand at the intersection of human rights and literature, looking to protect free speech, both in the United States, but worldwide. Uh, for the Freedom to Read team, though, we're really focusing on K-12 public education and tax on free expression there. And for us, for the last few years, that has looked predominantly like book bans. Wow. Thank you for, for your work um, at Penn America and for the Freedom to Read um, program. Grace, your uh, play explicit content for teens involves a group of high school students in drama club grappling with whether or not they should perform or even read a so-called controversial play. Um, there's also this brilliant moment near the end that engages the audience in participating in this debate. 
on whether or not the controversial play should be performed or banned. Um, and their vote ultimately decides how uh, the rest of the play will be performed. Um, can you talk about your inspiration for writing this play and your decision to actively involve the audience? Well, the inspiration for this show came from a close collaboration that I've had with Gehanna Lincoln High School for this was the this was the third show that I'd done with them. Uh, and the previous year, after we had done our show, we were just having like a wrap up conversation and someone brought up the fact that Gehanna did this play called She Kills Monsters. And there was another school, Hillsborough High School, that's like an hour. Oh, God, I should have looked it up. It's like an hour, 90 minutes away from Gehanna. Um, <laughs> and they had cast the show She Kills Monsters. And then the administrators came down and were like, no, you actually can't do the show. And they had to cancel the whole thing. Um, but they were really inspired. The Gehanna kids were really inspired by the Hillsborough kids because they formed their own outside of the school theater company so that they could do the show over the summer. Um, nice. And that was just how uh, that had, would, had like just happened. Uh, so we were talking through it and they had all of, all of these opinions about censorship that I was surprised by um, and hadn't really seen represented on stage or really anywhere else. Um, so when it came time to plan for the following school year, I was like, we, we have to do this because it's, it's something that I feel really passionately about. And it's clearly something that kids have a lot of feelings about. And one of the things that's so great about theater is that you can take these ideas and present, you're taking ideas and presenting them to the audience. So by taking the ideas that these students have and presenting them to their parents, it's a way for them to communicate directly with their parents without necessarily taking responsibility for their opinions that they like mm -hmm. maybe feel a little bit like oh god I'm embarrassed to say this in front of my mom you know sure they have this launch pad for those conversations exactly exactly mm -hmm. um so that's that's kind of where the idea started um the decision to actively involve the audience came from it was it was baked in really early on uh because I think that listen here's here's the thing I'm good at writing but I would never say that I am like an authority on everything in the universe so I don't want to tell the audience how to feel about things you know the best I can do is really educate myself and present these ideas in a way that is coherent and will give them all of the information that they need to kind of parse through it themselves also my opinion as an author kind of matters less than the overall opinion of the community, I think. Um, especially because my aspiration for this play is to take it somewhere else. I don't want to just tell them how to feel. The only time I really inserted myself and my, my myself and my opinions into the show is at the beginning when I was like, you have to actually read it. Like, please just actually like read this thing. Yeah. Um, and like, like give yourself the facts before you make a decision. That's like the only time I put my finger on the scale. Other than that, I think that it is up to the community to make those decisions for themselves or at least like construct the process for themselves. Um, so yeah. that that was kind of how I landed on on audience vote. That's very interesting. And you can kind of see that one reading through the script. There's like not to give too much away, but there's a vote where some people may or may not have read it. And yet they're still voting on on the whether or not this should uh, play should continue. Um, and have you do you know like what the response has been like yes or no votes from the audience and I'm just curious like that is a really interesting way to gauge kind of like direct community feedback like are are they going to allow this uh play to be performed or are they going to vote like no we're we're going to take the safe route well when we did it in Gahanna it was 
a landslide victory for yes, you can perform this play, but it was not a unanimous victory. And I really liked that because I liked that people were like voting in a way that felt true to them, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and it gave us an opportunity to like engage with those people and be like, why, why do you feel that way? And for a couple of them, it turned out that they just wanted to see the other ending because their kids were in that ending. But some of them were like, let's let's pump the brakes and like dig into this a little more, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, and that kind of brings me to how Pan America got involved in this um, with providing and helping um, shake these audience talk back questions. So can you uh, walk us through how Pan America got involved and in supporting this play and what that process looked like? I guess this is for both Grace and Sabrina. Yeah, absolutely. So much of what Grace just said explains why Pan America wouldn't get involved in a project like this. Um, just because this idea of presenting these options, this idea of choice, even a vote at the end, is that when we're thinking about free expression, where we're thinking about what critical thinking and, and engaging with these topics in productive ways, that's exactly what the play does. So it really was I mean, all the credits to really go to Grace. And ah, both stop. That's not us. true. <laughs> I mean, but in including us, um, because that's how we got alerted, was through an email. Um, with, I very excitedly uh, replied to, um, and we just as an organization had a chance to be able to offer some talkback questions. Um, but again, it was really Grace engaging with this uh, d- really difficult topic, especially for high, you know, for the student perspective is actually a perspective is the most important one. And yet it's the least talked about um, because I, I think people are afraid of engaging with it. So you hear a lot about the parents on either side of this issue. You hear a lot about the legislators and the, you know, the legislation that's being proposed. You hear a lot about this kind of um, adult outside of the school system perspective, but the students themselves or even this, the the teacher figure that's kind of like absent in the play is, is so interesting to me that, there was an avenue for the students to be able to engage with this in a creative, productive way. So it, again, for me, it was really a dream project to be able to just assist very a, a very small part of it um, right at the end uh, in that audience talk back. But all the credit re- should go to Grace for recognizing um, being able. I don't know if you Google searched us or how you found us. But... <laughs> no, I was a I was a Penn member. I was an oh, author goodness. member at Penn in advance. It, don't worry. It was it was such an, <laughs> an easy choice to make, you know, because I think that Penn is such a a unique and just like thoughtful organization that I it was it was easy. It was easy to to make this decision. And I was so happy that you were so enthusiastic. This just a mutual admiration society. <laughs> That's awesome. Um I guess this also may be more so for Grace, but uh, for both of you, how have these audience talkback questions been able to expand on the themes from the play and connect it to the wider discussion of book banning and censorship in America? Well, I'll, I'll start and then you can you can jump in. Please jump in. Uh, <laughs> so the thought process behind having a talkback afterward was like, you have your vote and it's like, stirred up all of these things in you because basically what I'm asking you to do is to sit quietly and listen for 90 minutes or whatever and you can't talk to your friends about how you're supposed to feel about it and you can't look at the internet to figure out how you're supposed to feel about it you just have to decide how you feel about it so at the end we need a, a chance for everyone to just kind of like let it all out you know the the like actual audience engagement is kind of the most important part of it um, because like the the stakes in voting on a play are 
impossibly low. It doesn't matter. There isn't an actual play at question here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But in order to like address these issues when, when they eventually come up later in real life, I think it's important to like lay the foundation, at least among a small group of people who are at a a play um, to like teach them how to talk to each other about it basically. Um, And I've been to a lot of really crappy talkbacks where it's basically like the show is over your turn and nobody knows what to do. Um, Mm -hmm. They're just like, there's just, it, it was, it would be helpful to have some sort of organization for how that will happen, how that conversation should happen. Um, especially mm-hmm. because it's such a fraught conversation anyway. Um, and Sabrina did such a great job on those questions that it just like, it was it was a really interesting conversation that we had. Yeah, that it facilitated that conversation. And again, it really, you say it's the most low stakes, but the play really is a microcosm of what's actually happening. And this opportunity, so much of book bands, um, I'm so glad you stressed at the beginning about reading the whole work and you have to read the full. <laughs> because so much of what we stress, though, and that seems so basic, but so much of what we stress is that if you're going, if you're asking for content to be banned, you should be aware of the content. You should be aware of what you're asking to be banned. And a play is this wonderful avenue, unlike a book, that People do have to, if if they're sitting in the audience, they are experiencing it. It is happening. So um, versus a book, it's much easier to put down. So my work deals with that, although we look at all materials right now are, are getting censored um, across the country in, in K through 12 schools. Um, but it, to me, it was this wonderful opportunity of being able to step into this different medium and, and ask these questions that we're constantly asking people, but do it in this community aspect so it is like even in in your community it was setting a community standard even that vote was maybe low stakes for the play because you had both endings rehearsed but it was actually pretty high stakes for the community to stop engage and just allow the students to be able to voice how they felt in a play context yes but then to take this like fictional play and have a very real community moment at the end and then past that to also have a discussion after it's not just because so much of this a decision is made and then that's supposed to be it there's supposed to be silence and just acceptance of that decision and then people move on and the fact that you said okay regardless of the decision we're going to stop we're going to engage we're going to ask these tough questions of why people made certain decisions how they engaged with the work that that really is what it's actually about it's not this blanket everything is allowed everything is not allowed it's that engagement is actually the most important aspect um so to me it it wasn't low stakes at all it was very high stakes um and i was very happy to be able to contribute even a small part to that yeah and (laughs) and we'll get to this later but i just having these conversations in communities before a ban happens, I think is so critical um, just to have a, a sense of community understanding or or just to have a space um, like a theater where, where it is open conversation. And so we can really, uh, it's not like these things are hidden in the dark and then all of a sudden it's this heated uh, debate at a school board meeting or something like that. So I, I do think those audience talk back questions after the play really help connect communities to what what is happening maybe outside of their bubble where they think they're safe uh, from book bans. But but you you never know this this happens everywhere. So I, I do appreciate those talkback questions and how it's really connecting to the wider scope of what is happening. Oh, for um, sure. It's like, it's kind of like, it's like having a fire drill. You just want to have the process mm-hmm. in place. Um, mm-hmm. I did, I don't want to call them out too, too much, but I, I reached out to the, the Bexley High School 
librarian. Um, and they, it sounds like they don't really have a process in place. So if this is something you're really engaged with, please mm-hmm. get involved with your local high school. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's been working there longer than I have been alive and they have never had a book <laughs> challenge, which is really, really great. Um, yeah. but I think it's, it's important to have those, those processes in place. Definitely. Um, Sabrina, other than providing audience talkback questions, what other services does PEN America offer to support writers um, who are most likely to be targeted by these banning efforts? Yeah, so at its heart, PEN, we've been doing a lot of research, we've been doing a lot of advocacy, but we are an author membership organization. Grace, thank you for plugging us earlier (laughs) by saying you're a PEN. Easy to do. (laughs) You're a pen member, but that's what pen actually st- originally stood for. Um, when it was a poets, essayists, and novelists, and now we've expanded that to editors, to just a wide range of just creatives in the field. Um, but and we look at really free expression across a bunch of different mediums, including plays. Um, so we've really managed to expand that, but we're really looking to support creatives at our heart. That's why we do this work. Um, so we are an author membership organization, so we offer that specifically for banned authors that we know are extremely vulnerable right now and, and extremely targeted right now. It's really upsetting the amount of hateful rhetoric directed at them and some of it not even rhetoric, some of it action directed at them is truly horrifying to see. So um, we try to offer a lot of individual support. I always say if there's a banned author out there, uh, Grace knows this because we were just we just talked about a band author um, to contact us so we can offer support in different in whatever way that they need. We offer author town halls actually um, for band authors to come in and we update them um, on some topic specific information, but we also like to have the space for them to tell us what they need. Um, As an organization, we do, especially this is such, nobody expected banned books to be this, you know, a hot topic in 2023 or the previous two years. it's distinctly an American. It's distinctly undemocratic. Like it's just not something. Um, a lot of our work actually centered internationally before this around book, just because it wasn't, it wasn't so much a thing here. It, it would just occasionally mm-hmm. we'd hear about a book here or there, you know. So with that happening, though, we try um, knowing at our heart that we are an author membership organization. We're trying to center the authors and trying to offer them as many resources and chances for collaboration as possible, while still having them protect their creative energy. So it's an interesting balance of advocacy and then also telling them to be, okay, go off on your own and create and write the stories that we're going to protect. But I really do encourage um, any authors or creatives that feel free. We're very accessible. um, So just reach out to us and we try to offer support in whatever way it makes sense for that author. But yeah, and there's also for students listening who may be student authors, even we have different student institutes on free expression. It's called Next Gen 10. Um, awesome. So if there's any uh, younger um, creatives out there, I would encourage them um, to look at those programs as well. Nice. There are resources for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've worked in public libraries for almost a decade now. And when I got started making a banned books display around the end of September, early October, it used to be like, oh, banned books week. That's that's still a thing. I thought that was like done with. And now it's becoming like all right, are we what are we going to get some feedback about this over the last few years? So unfortunately, uh, the rise of book bans and challenges, which primarily affects school libraries but are also becoming more prominent in public libraries, um, these 
banning efforts disproportionately target authors of color, LGBTQ plus authors, or books featuring LGBTQ plus or uh, people of color. Um, can you give us an overview of where we are today with book banning and kind of these coordinated efforts that we're seeing today? Yeah. So this is a very targeted attack. That's one of the questions I get the most is, is that, is it actually, or is it, are we blowing something out of proportion? No, they're very targeted attacks um, exactly on those vulnerable communities that you've already mentioned. Uh, religious minorities are also included in that. Um, and I will say there's different avenues that people, uh, the book banners will take towards that. Um, so we're seeing a large attack on any sexual content um, is a lot of times what they call it. So with that, it's sex education books. It's any books that have sexually explicit scenes um, that you'll hear a lot of terminology like pornography and age appropriateness and blah, 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 that kind of thing kind of thrown around. And one of the things I always like to stress with that, because it's kind of, especially for if you're first getting into this and you're looking at this and you're like, oh, and you're a little shocked by maybe the content, um, is that for school libraries um, and public libraries, these are cultivated collections. And especially for school libraries, it's targeted and it's supposed to be for those students and what's pedagogically appropriate. Most librarians need a master's degree <laughs> to do their mm -hmm. job. So these yeah. are not random books that just got filed into the library and just appeared one day. These are cultivated collections uh, that are meant to promote the learning and the growth of the students that they're serving. Um, so what one of those, one of the big shifts in recent years in library science has been the inclusion of more representative voices. So that's LGBTQ+, as well as you mentioned Black authors or books about race and racism, but characters of color in general. Um, so with that rise and including that literature, unfortunately, there's been a backlash as well. And that's what we're seeing represented here. So you'll see a lot of, there'll be a lot of statistics flying around. There's going to be more because um, we're putting out a new report soon. But what's important to keep in mind is to think about how many of those books are even available in school libraries. Um, so if we're looking at Oh, I can't remember that it's something like 24% or something of books are about LGBTQ characters. Um, then are there 24% of the books in the school library dealing with LGBTQ topics? Likely no. So when we're looking at what's being targeted, then you can see that it's a really um, specific attack. But more and more, we're seeing that book bans are really just taking out this whole scope of books. I mean, you'll see something like in Missouri where they put in one provision about images and suddenly every graphic novel and every book that has the David has an art, like all these art books got pulled mm -hmm. off shelves from students, which can seem very insane, but it's actually what's happening. And that is diminished access, which is a ban that is taking away access to materials that were previously available to students. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, it's disproportionately affecting these communities, and these vulnerable um, identities. And I, at the heart, if you read the challenge forms, if you look at the rhetoric, that's what this is about, but it's affecting everyone. And it's not just, it's not just about that, that one kind of swath of content. It's everybody should be extremely alarmed. And we found that the more success they have in one area, the more they're going to be asking for in other areas um, as well. So it's not about giving up that one book that had a sex scene that made an adult slightly uncomfortable that, you know, a high schooler, maybe reading it's because if you if you give up that one book there'll be 20 more that come and to remember that everything should be taken in the full context of the work so um that's kind of the big rhetoric battle that we're fighting right now and into which i always always answer and we've already said it read the whole work 
Don't look mm-hmm. at that one scandalous scene or scandalous page. Read the whole work and see how you feel about it, because that's how Toni Morrison gets banned is if you just read one page. So, um, yeah, and we know we yeah. know Toni Morrison and those well, like her should not be banned. Yeah. Well, and from a public library in the heart of Ohio. She's one of our most uh, cherished Ohio names, if not the most. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and and so often these these challenges are coming from organizations or or they're just showing up on lists of hundreds of books. So that with this like one sentence or one paragraph of snapshot of the work. So yeah, thank you for, for giving us that insight. And yes, it is crucial to read the entire body of the work uh, to understand uh, the context of of even those passages. One more, just because you brought it up, thank you so much for saying that, because there's also this idea, these are not individual instigators all across the country who suddenly woke up one day and decided school libraries was the cause they were going to like hurdle themselves towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you're absolutely right. These are organized groups. Um, and now it's been, um, it's only supercharged once it gets to the state level with legislation. Um, so most Americans oppose book bans. You know, most mm-hmm. Americans want free access. When parents were given the chance to opt out their child out of the library, it's something crazy, like only like one or two percent ever mm-hmm. do. Like most of them just want open access to a school library because why wouldn't they? Um, so yeah. I think that's an important aspect to always keep in mind is just that most uh, those community members actually do want that availability of books and that this is a large movement and it's affecting a lot of students, but it is a coordinated movement and it is these shared materials and it is largely due to these groups and then the supercharged legislation. Thank you. Uh, Grace, I as an author and scriptwriter who is LGBTQ+, um, and has written for middle grade and teen audiences with Lumberjanes and DC Comics characters, Batgirl, Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, um, as well as your plays, have these targeted bands impacted your creative process at all or how you approach writing certain stories or characters? No. <laughs> that's no, the they, answer we're looking for no i know it, and it's true but i know that that's not that's not um first of all that's not fully accurate because i did write an entire play about it so it, it did impact it in that way but i also recognize that like that is not a feeling that every author has i think that a lot of authors are just full-on scared and they're not wrong to be scared i mean like sabrina said there's like attacks on authors you know and that's really alarming so I my my heart goes out to to everyone else but I also feel like this is the moment where we have to have the courage of our convictions a little bit here you should write the thing that you want to write and we'll all sort it out at the end that is a really hard thing to do especially when you know that you're putting your livelihood on the line but I think that it's 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 the necessary course of action right now. Yeah. So no, I'm just going to keep writing the thing that I'm going to write and we'll, we'll figure it out at the end. Uh, that's wonderful. I hope everyone can move forth with, with that attitude. Um, last, they will not, last, but I hope that I they do. <laughs> um, last year we had uh, Ashley Hope Perez speak at the library, whose uh, YA novel Out of Darkness um, is one of the most challenged books um, right now. But she kind of provided some insight on like, if you're if you're a John Green, or if you're a, a large known author, sometimes popping up on these lists will drive sales. But if you're not a New York Times bestseller, and you're 
book about um just like a YA story that someone doesn't like the romance in it or something uh is banned that really impacts your your way of life and how you you make a living as a writer so um it is it, it I see it from a business standpoint and from an income standpoint, that can be a little bit daunting, but uh, from a creative standpoint, it's so important to have these stories and these characters. Um, so so thank you for moving forth with that attitude. Um, to bring us back to the play Explicit Content for Teens, there's this moment uh, that I think perfectly distills why it's so important for young readers to engage with books and plays and art that challenge us to think critically about who we are and what we think and believe and what resonates with us um, as as people. Um, would you mind reading a short passage and share why you wrote an entire play about this group of students questioning their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs while reading through uh, this heavy, heavy quote, controversial play uh, within a play called Fool's Gold? Sure. Uh, so a little bit of context for this passage. Um, so the, the setup for the show is that you, the audience, are at a school board meeting and this, the drama club is meeting secretly while the school board meeting is happening. So you get the school board introduction at the end, at the beginning and then at the end when you vote. Um, and this passage comes from when the students who have written a statement, they don't get to vote, but they, they've written a statement to read to the school board. Um, and this is from that. And I, I also want to say that this was heavily influenced by watching just like so many clips of students speaking at school board meetings about book bans. So this this is like, it's not verbatim from one of those, but it's heavily influenced by it. Okay, so here, this is the passage. We read it together this afternoon, but more importantly, we talked about it. We disagreed, we hurt each other's feelings, but we also laughed. We changed our minds. We learned about each other and the kind of people we want to be. I'm glad we read this play. I love that. Um, just engaging with these these works really helps us question like, oh, why why do I hold hold this belief? And I love that this is a play that was read uh, communally with this group of students because they could really figure it out together. Um, and yeah, there there were fights and skirmishes and everything, but really it showed like how how people come to their beliefs and and thoughts and feelings. Um, as individuals, but also through engaging as a community with this with this work. So, Sabrina, uh, Pen America is a member of the Banned Books Week Coalition, along with uh, the American Library Association, Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, and many other organizations. Is Pen America doing anything special to support or celebrate? Uh, I guess celebrate might not be the right word, but uh, support Banned Books Week this year. Yes, we're actually calling it internally Banned Book Month just because we're <laughs> there's so much happening, um, which is really wonderful for awareness building and that we're um, taking what is really a horrible occurrence right now in our country and trying to create some more celebratory moments and trying to also uplift and honor um, those in the fight. Anyone from the parents who are on the other side and are actually fighting against book bans. We have these wonderful works, Florida Freedom to Read Project in Florida, which is obviously the biggest hotbed for this right now. Um, as an example, as well as a lot of authors um, who would, are not having the chance to be celebratory about their work because they just have to keep talking about this band aspect and why it's banned and they feel about being so. We're trying to create and cultivate these spaces for them to be able to talk about that, um, but then also be able to creatively celebrate um, with their audiences. 
So we have a host of events um, that will just slowly get posted <laughs> online. So check the Thin website. Uh, but it's really across the country, anywhere from New York, there's a bunch of LA um, ones, and there'll be some DC, those are our main offices, but a lot of our, we have different chapter cities as well. So Detroit here in Michigan, where I'm from, um, is going to have some things. I was trying to think of anything in Ohio. Um, unfortunately, I think Detroit might be the That's closest. Too, too far of a drive. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's okay. nice. The leaves are changing. It'll be great. <laughs> it's a wonderful season. <laughs> but I mean, Band Book Week is what, October 1st to the 7th? And uh, you have your own event. So I would also um, tell people to go and engage with it. Band Book Week, like you said, it's a coalition of a bunch of different organizations. So yes, Pen America, we will be partying hard for a month. By that, I mean, we'll be running around like chickens with our heads cut off for a month trying to create as much uh, public awareness and, and get people involved with this. Um, but also go to your uh, community events, because really at the heart of this, this is what it's all about, right? Creating any kind of change. It's about your actual local community. So I would encourage people to, if they don't want to drive out to Detroit for <laughs> a event chapter event, we'll do author town halls and we'll do a bunch of cool uh, events like that. But the most important thing is just to get involved with their own community um, and build their own awareness and connect with people and form community around this so that if a book ban is happening or if a book ban will happen, you're already prepared for that. Wonderful. And and again, quick plug, Grace will be at the Bexley Public Library on Wednesday, October 4th at seven o'clock. Yes. And um, I don't I don't know when this is coming out. I hope that it is before this event yes. I'm about to, to plug, which is um, sure. Ohio State is doing a reading of explicit content for teens. I know I didn't tell you, nice. Sabrina, actually. I just realized that. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. It's September 23rd at 10 a.m. because it's a football Saturday. It's at the brand new uh, theater building on campus at Ohio State. I just checked it out this week. It is beautiful. So it's going to be a really great event. It's going to be a great time. The organizers are wonderful, very smart, and very nuanced thinkers. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Looking forward to that. I'm definitely going to try to get up early and, uh, and get to that. <laughs> Not that I, you know, football Saturday isn't the big thing in my household, so I won't have to fight traffic <laughs> or anything. So I guess we'll end with with the, the big question. Uh, what can people, as well as schools and libraries, do to protect their communities from these book banning efforts and stand up to to protect the freedom to write, read, and access information? I pose this to both of you. Well, you definitely probably know more about this than I do. No, but I was going to say, actually, you should um, you should talk about the play one more time to kind of talk about what I'm about to say, because basically what I'm going to present as theories you put into action. Um, so you did the practical side of it, which is engage with your community. So start fostering these conversations, um, start talking to both like-minded and not like-minded people um, and, and start really questioning why this is happening. Um, one of the big things I hear, especially in our area, um, me being from Ann Arbor, which is very close to Columbus, is that it's not going to happen here. It's not happening here. It is happening here. <laughs> I'm tracking it. I can see the cases. Um, we're not doing so hot. So don't work with this assumption that it's just my community isn't going to be affected by this because like I said, it is really these outside instigators coming in. So it can happen anywhere. So already start having those conversations with people. Already start engaging with the literature. And if you see something that you question, go dig in a little bit deeper. Um, so that would be step number one for some really practical things, I would say. Go to your school board meetings. Be aware of what's happening there. Go be aware of what's happening in your public library. 
What does the board there look like? Are there upcoming elections? Things like that, just to be inform yourself of, get involved um, if this is something you care deeply about, which I feel like I would say books, loving books is not an unpopular opinion. Um, so I, I get engaged. Um, loving public schools is also not an unpopular opinion. So get engaged, um, get active and uh, become aware, but start fostering, start putting down that roots of community um, so that if something should happen, if something doesn't happen, then wonderful. You have a community of book loving people to be able to form a book club with. If something does happen, then you have people um, that you can rally together to be able to make sure that your community continues to reflect your values. So, and that's the main thing is we don't want to accidentally slip into these different kind of censorship holes when really that's not actually representative of the community whatsoever. Um, so already proactively um, doing that work is really important. And Grace, you can talk a little bit about your play, but you hit everything from the school board meeting to the engaging with the community <laughs> to, I mean, you, it, it really is a good like masterclass. We should just keep, we should have a recording of your play maybe somewhere and be like, okay, just watch this and I'll give Aww. you a good example. That's so kind. I like, I can't get over how, how kind that is. Um, <laughs> When, when we did it at Gehanna, the, um, okay, the director at Gehanna invited the school board to the show um, and did not tell them what it was about and just gave them the title. And they were like, oh, we should probably see what this is. It's called Explicit mm -hmm. Content for Teens. And they cried. Mm -hmm. I, I apologize if I'm like calling, if you're listening to this and you're one of the school board members who cried and now I'm calling you out publicly about it. But they were, they cried because it was so like true to what was happening even in Hannah, which has part of their mission statement as being open to ideas and diversity, et cetera, et cetera. But even part of that conversation that we had that night was uh, talking about an issue that was affecting the community directly, which was something about um, like public murals that students had created. And they were talking about censoring them because one of them had a pride flag and said BLM on it like separately on this mural. And the mural ended up going up anyway, um, but it was like an active conversation, even in Gehanna, which is not far from Bexley. Mm -hmm. So I think that having, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I really have that much to add to what you said, Sabrina. I, I think that it's so important to have these conversations. I think that historically Ohio, I, I mean, I have lived in Ohio my entire life and I think that it's part of who we are that we, we live in a very like heterodox purple state. Um, and part of the reason we're able to, to live with each other, with people who have differing opinions is because we're willing to engage with each other as human people. And obviously that's kind of fallen by the wayside in the last couple of years, but I think it, it is a good value that it's time for us to kind of return to, is just being willing to, to at least talk to each other person to person about these things. Well, I think that is the perfect note to end on. And uh, and thank you so much for creating these these stories that get us to share these conversations. And uh, Sabrina and Grace, thank you so much for joining us on the BPL podcast today. Ah, thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I hope you have a wonderful Band Books week and month. Thank you. And you too as well in your event. Thank you for listening to this episode of the BPL Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. I'm your host, Zach, and I've been speaking with author Grace Ellis and Sabrina Baeta from the PEN America organization about Banned Books Week and censorship in America. To learn more about Grace and Sabrina and the work of PEN America, please see the show notes for more information. 
We hope that you'll join us in person at the Bexley Public Library or online at bexleylibrary.org forward slash TV on Wednesday, October 4th at 7 o'clock p.m. for a conversation on censorship with Grace Ellis to celebrate Banned Books Week. Find out more about the Bexley Public Library by visiting us at bexleylibrary.org or following us at Bexley Library across social media platforms. If you like what you heard, please help us grow by telling a friend. Rate us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also email any comments, questions, and suggestions to podcast at bexleylibrary.org. Special thanks to FOMO Deep for lending us their song, Bourbon Meat, for the podcast. Happy reading and take care.